We are in Boston, Massachusetts at the head of the Charles Regatta. We're at the head of the Charles on a beautiful October day. So I row here at the Charles every year. Unfortunately, this year got a little back issue, so. Really enjoying seeing everybody out on the river. This is My Body Odyssey. I'm Robert Pease, and for this episode, our season finale, we're exploring the rewards and challenges of active lifestyle through one of the world's most distinctive sporting events, the head of the Charles Regatta. I'm Valerie Wences, now even more of a fan after covering this year's Head of the Charles, which has been held annually every October since 1965 and currently attracts hundreds of thousands of spectators. 11,000 rowers competing in boats of all sizes, eights meaning eight rowers, fours, pairs, and single skulls. But beyond competition, the Head of the Charles is also a celebration of rowing as a sport and pastime and a reunion of many amateur athletes pursuing their passion far away from their teammates of years past. There's women's, men's, and mixed events of all ages, and adaptive rowing, which we'll get to later in the episode. We spent two days at the head of the Charles, walking the riverbanks, watching pre-race preparations and post-race celebrations or commiserations. In fact, we spoke with dozens of rowers from all over, Europe, the Pacific Northwest, and the whole East Coast, basically wherever there's water in boats. And I'm not sure this is exactly an exclusive, Valerie, but what we found is that rowers, they really love rowing. I think uh, rowing is, is the perfect exercise. Every muscle in your body is tested at some point. Well, one of the really amazing things about rowing is just connecting with the other people in the boat and when it's going well, feeling like you're really working in unison. Um, You know, the fluidity, the camaraderie, and just like uh, the competitiveness. When people watch it, they may think that it can look pretty boring on the water. My husband's actually one of those people. But once you start understanding every little detail that goes into it, it becomes extremely fascinating. Instantaneously, I felt like it was my sport. Rowing is a really technical sport. It takes a long time to learn and learn well. And of course, I am still learning, (laughs) but I just loved it immediately. Um, So thanks for joining us, Jules. That's what you go by? I do, yes. Okay, and um, and where are you from? I'm from Portland, Oregon. Okay, so you came quite a distance. That's Jules, one of the many dedicated rowers at the head of the Charles this year the biggest regatta in the country, and it's a thrill to be here. She's a cancer survivor with infectious enthusiasm and optimism. And how many is this for you? How many times? It's my third time rowing here, and I've been here a couple other times just to help my team out. For Jules, trying out rowing was an experiment suggested by a friend at a particularly challenging time. I was about 40, and uh, I had a recurrence of bladder cancer. And I asked one of my friends, you know, give me something to do on Tuesday morning because chemo is going to be Monday. And she said, put on your jogging clothes and go to this address at 6 o'clock tomorrow. I guarantee you will love it. And I literally had no idea what I was getting into. You had no idea you were going to be rowing? No, I didn't. And I trusted her and I went and there was a learn to row class that had just started, I don't know, a couple weeks earlier. They hadn't even hit the water yet. So I got on the erg a couple times, we got in the water, I thought, this is my sport. I feel so alive and so powerful and strong, and I've never looked back. Been doing it for 20 years. That's amazing, (laughs) and just like that, sort of like... Jules had run track in high school, she played volleyball in college, but these were mere flirtations compared to her romance 
pun intended. You know, rowing seems to attract kind of type A personalities, and yet once you get in the boat, you have to shut up and row, Come on, and you follow. Up. Unless you're the stroke seat, whatever you do is wrong if it's not exactly like what the person in front of you does. So it's a challenge mentally, it's a challenge emotionally, and physically it's highly technical. Muscle groups are doing opposite things at the same time, and learning that kind of coordination takes a really long time. So it keeps my interest because it is so challenging. Wow. Even among these competitive rowers, Jewel's dedication is exceptional considering the several rounds of cancer she's had to fight through. Never. I will never miss a day due to cancer, and I will never stop rowing. That is my identity. That's how I identify as being whole and strong and a competitor at 63 years old. Do you think that because you, because of the rowing, all of this rowing you do, you're not going to miss a day due to cancer? Like, did that help with your cancer recovery each time? Oh, I'm totally sure it does. There is a huge emotional and mental component to healing. It may not be as quantifiable as many physical methods, but I believe 100% that there's a huge emotional component to that. I heal better. When I go into surgeries, which I've had a number of, I always ask the anesthesiologist, which is the one who talks to you at that point, to make sure that the last thing they say to me is, Jules, you're going to wake up feeling relaxed, refreshed, no pain, you're going to heal easily. So I get people in my network to give me that healing mindset. Jules from Oregon. She rode in the mixed eights at the head of the Charles. That's eight men and women, very likely a few type A personalities, but all working together in a precise rhythm. Jules found a source of inner strength through rowing, and that's a common theme with rowers. They talk about rowing as rhythmic and calming. There's something meditative about it. You don't think about anything, at least I don't think about anything else, but being in the boat. So I think about the water, I think about what I'm doing with my oars, I think about the birds and the trees, and but not work. And you have to be totally present to be able to do it. So like for me, it's the one place in life where I am both physically and mentally 100% right there, right then. Every stroke is different, right? And you really have to pay attention. So it's like a very active meditation and you cannot rush it. So it's just like such a therapeutic, right, uh, healing sport for me. We met Ping shortly after speaking with Jules. Ping is a traditional Chinese medical doctor and poetry professor who had really no exposure to rowing until her early 50s. But much like Jules, she immediately fell in love. And she competed this year despite a running accident last winter, running on an icy day in her home city of Minneapolis. And then in spring... Because the leg was so weakened, I was doing a gardening and I slid backward and I tore my ACL. Wow. So just suddenly I couldn't walk. So, yeah, Ping has long been an athlete and a student of movement, having first been a gymnast and a figure skater and a martial artist before discovering rowing. She's no stranger to injuries. And her knowledge of Chinese traditional medicine informed her recovery. But she also knew what other help she'd need to compete again this year at the head of the Charles. 
I've been training with um, the strength training, and they specialize in sports medicine. Uh -huh. So she's really good, right? So, and I also have a really good chiropractor, and I have a really good fascia stretch uh, person, professional. So those three together, and then really helped me recover faster. So you're relatively new to rowing compared to some people here. Been rowing since you know high school or college. So, so right, I started rowing 11 years ago, and yeah. I think it's a, such a great sport for everyone, right? Whether you compete or just for stay active, stay healthy, stay happy. Rowing on her team, she's felt the camaraderie and inclusivity of her boat, competing in a sport with an exclusive history. In Minneapolis Rowing Club, we have a lot of people who are very encouraging, right? Um, you know, give me opportunities, um, are willing to row in the same boat with me. And, you know, rowing is a very elite, you know, a white elite sport still. And uh, just look at the people here. Uh, but it's changing slowly. Uh, it's not easy to stick it out. I feel I have really earned, I have to earn, you know, just my seat here, right? Yeah. And so I'm very proud of myself. Yeah. You know? Ping also credits rowing with helping her professionally as a teacher and a writer who's published over a dozen books. You know, when I sit down, I really work. Because of the movement, it makes, like, gives my brain full, like, pumps blood into my brain, right? And so when I sit down, I can just, like, just start working with the best efficiency, right? It's like rowing. You have to use the best efficiency, right, techniques, yeah. you know? And the discipline I learned from rowing, I use it for my writing, you know, and for my teaching, for my gardening, for my cooking, you know, uh, just everything. Once yeah. we have the cadence, the rhythm, actually the cadence yeah, and rhythm is the foundation of life, right? Then we have endless energy. We never get tired. Just like do this thing, then I just switch, do another, then I get, uh, you know, rest from doing another thing, then I switch to a different activities, you know. But you're so. sticking with rowing now. I am sticking with rowing. I plan to row till my last breath. Yeah. Yeah. Some Taoism here on the banks of the Charles. In fact, discussions of rowing can quickly turn philosophical, such as expressing a deep appreciation of nature not only on beautiful fall days, but also cold winter mornings as the sun rises over a practice session and begins to warm the boat. But to attain those perfect moments, there's a ton of physical challenge involved in perfecting that rowing stroke over thousands, possibly tens of thousands of repetitions. And with repetition comes the risk for injuries. Absolutely, there's a lot of back issues in, in rowing. Um, you know, there's always some leg issues, knee issues. So I have some knee issues, so I've like taped my knees with KT tape before I race usually. We were surprised that so many rowers were smiling while they told us about their injuries, but that's how much rowers love rowing. Funnily enough, when I did it in college, um, I had a low back injury because I was still learning like the whole idea of using your legs more than 
your your body and your arms. She I, gets every injury. I, no, I haven't. I, I bruised my two vertebrae and my low back, like, all the way to the marrow. I've had shoulder issues where I've had to have, have like, calcium deposits removed from my shoulder tendons. So, yeah, and I'm dealing with some knee stuff right now. <laughs> she is kind of weird, though. I'm kind of a medical anomaly, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I joke about my mutant body. But you keep going. To better understand rowing injuries, we spoke to Dr. Christine Carlson of Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center. She told us about the demands placed on the body by the repetitive actions of rowing. Yeah, so as a sports medicine physician, I deal with this a lot. And it's true that anything you, you do that's repetitive, you're going to have a stress injury or a body stress injury from that at some point. So the actually big stress fracture in rowing is stress fracture of the rib, which intuitively doesn't make a lot of sense. Dr. Carlson is a former Olympic rower who has also served as a U.S. Olympic rowing team physician. That's a difficult problem because you can't take the stress off the rib and row differently. We also see people with back injuries, chronic pain in their back, a back that's been just slowly evolving, and some of those end up with disc herniations. Injuries aside, there's another hazard to rowing we learned about from an 80-year-old gentleman from the Pacific Northwest who competed in the Grand Veterans Singles Race. Well, I've capsized a couple of times. How was that? Well, it was pretty pretty interesting. I Actually, uh, the current of the river took me to a place where I couldn't push it ashore, you know. So I ended up calling 911, and they came and rescued me. And everybody here knows all about that because it was in the news. <laughs> and sure enough, moments later, we heard a ripple of crowd noise along the river that didn't sound like the usual cheering. A competing boat had just capsized at the head of the Charles. That's a rare event. Not so dangerous in this case since rescue boats were ready to pick the rowers up and tow the boat back to shore. But capsizing can be dangerous, such as in rough waters and for para-rowers, which we'll discuss with Ron, our final protagonist, in a moment. And capsizing also sets off huge waves of speculation among rowers themselves, probably all of whom have gone overboard at one point or another. Did they snap an oarlock? Or had they caught a crab as in sinking their stroke too deep into the water? Are we good? So, Ron, thanks so much for joining us. Do you prefer Ron or Ronald? Or uh, Ron is good. Okay. Last but hardly least, we sat down with Ron just after his event, the mixed para-inclusion. Ron is paralyzed from the waist down. So for this event, he's paired with an able-bodied rower for the three-mile sprint upstream along the Winding Charles. It was, it was beautiful. I mean, who, who could ask for 60-degree weather in, in Boston in October? So it, it was great. Uh, we had a, a great experience. We rode hard and um, all good. Yeah, so you're in the para event. How long have you been rowing and what led you to, to rowing? Ron then told us about a horrible accident 11 years ago that resulted in his paralysis. He'd been out cycling with friends when a sleepy driver in an SUV ran into him. Full speed, a near fatal collision and a long, arduous recovery afterwards, both physically and emotionally. You know, it, it's a hard thing when you, you come, become disabled because you want to be as independent as possible. And that's one of the hardest things about 
moving on post an injury like I've had because I was so independent. I, you know, I had a job where I was traveling extensively. I had a, a high intensive job uh, running a desk on Wall Street and I was flying to Asia. And, and I was just always so used to being independent and now I'm not. And I hate that. Sports and exercise had always been a big part of Ron's identity. So after his injury, friends kept suggesting all kinds of adaptive sports. People said to me, why don't you try wheelchair basketball? Because that's the sport everybody knows. But I was a lousy basketball player when I was able-bodied, so that really wasn't going to work too well. I tried a few other things, and, uh, and then eventually uh, a friend of mine said, you know what, our rowing club is starting an adaptive program. Would you be interested in giving it a shot? So I said, sure. And did you just love it right away, or was it a bit of work getting, uh, getting used to it? Well, at first they have you on the urge, you know, the, the uh, stationary oh, right. uh, rowers. And that was not a lot of fun. <laughs> but I figured, out, okay, I'm going to give it a shot out on the water, and that'll determine if I like it, because that's really the experience. Yeah. And, you know, I used to do a lot on the water. I used to be a water skier, and I used to be a kayaker, and I used to swim. So uh, the water is, was quite an attraction for me. An attraction getting back on the water, but not without concerns. I hadn't been swimming, you know, after my injury, and I, I never learned how to swim uh, again. And I was a little concerned that what would happen if I capsized, right? Because I, I don't have uh, full use of my core and I don't have use of my legs. So I'm in a fixed seat with straps uh, to hold me in. So it's not really a good situation if, um, if I capsize. But people assured me that there are pontoons, there's no concern, you're, you're not going to capsize. So I figured, well, okay, then, then it should be fine. Again, this was Ron's first time getting into the boat and out on the water as an adaptive rower. No small amount of anxiety there. And as you probably guessed by now, it wasn't all fine. And uh, the first day I go out, the riggers weren't, weren't attached right. They fell off, the boat got unbalanced, and next thing I know, I'm under the water. Oh, my gosh. So I know what you're thinking. A guy survives a head-on crash with an SUV only to drown while giving rowing a shot. But that didn't happen. I was able to pull my straps off and grab the boat and pull myself out. The, the rower I was with was a high school kid, and she was petrified. And uh, soon enough, the boat came over and pulled me onto the uh, launch boat, and everything was fine. Uh, a lot of people would come out of that and say, I'm done with this sport. <laughs> did that cross your mind at all, or did you say, I'm not going to let this uh, set me back? It might have for, uh, for a bit, but not seriously. I, I knew that wasn't going to stop me from doing it. And I certainly didn't want, that wouldn't be the note for me to stop rowing with. It, it would have to be a decision because it wasn't meeting my needs. It wasn't, it wasn't giving me exercise. It was too much of a pain to do it. I wasn't getting it, but no, <laughs> that wasn't it. And Ron did not let that stop him from rowing, which in itself is remarkable because so much of rowing is dependent on leg action. Some coaches say as much as two thirds of rowing propulsion which set up an enormous compensation challenge for a para rower like Ron without lower body strength and stability. 
We spoke to the Boston-based physical therapist, Lisa Lowe, about the challenges of para rowing. Lisa not only coaches, but is a para rower herself after a terrible car crash four years ago. So I actually competed in the same race as um, Ron did at Head of the Charles, um, just in a different category. So I'm a PR3 rower rather than he, I believe, is a PR1 rower. She explained that there are three categories for para rowers. A PR1 rower is someone who primarily uses their shoulders and arms to move a boat. So they'll have a seat back that helps with their posture. They'll have strapping around their hips and their chest. And then they have pontoons on their boat to prevent any flipping because that's obviously pretty dangerous. You know, it's absolutely incredible to me to think of rowing, in particular, head of the Charles with just your arms and shoulders. It's a long way for any of us who are able to use more of our body. And so the fact that people, athletes are able to be competitive and row with arms and shoulders is just, it's a fantastic aspect of this sport. We asked Ron about that physical challenge. When I went through occupational therapy shortly after my injury, they were all about pushing yourself properly uh, in a wheelchair, very concerned about the shoulders. So I'm very cognizant about my shoulders getting involved in a repetitive stress kind of situation. But I I haven't had a problem, but it's a more natural motion for your body to be doing this. Well, you can't really see me, can you? The rowing motion is a more natural motion than the pushing a wheelchair motion. Ron's coach, Greta, had a huge role in helping Ron develop a stroke that was natural to him. Remember, the sport of para rowing is relatively new and undeveloped. There's very few coaches, not much accepted wisdom to work from. You know, I looked at videos to see what was the proper way for me to row. I mean, there's very little for me to find. It's it's about taking the proper way to row if you're able-bodied and kind of using some common sense and judgment and figuring out what works and what doesn't work when you're power rowing. We also consulted coach and physical therapist Lisa Lowe about the development of para rowing as a sport. I think para rowing is really in its infancy in this country. And so the increased visibility for the sport at regardless like head of the Charles, I think is huge in an effort to help grow the numbers and the participation in para rowing in this country. You're hearing those stories more and more of people just being like, I want to be competitive and this is my sport to do so. So here I am and like, let's go. And the sport has grown on Ron in surprising ways. What surprised me the most, I think, is that at first it was just something to, to do, sort of an activity for me to do because people are looking for activities for me to do and kind of re- reclaim my life. And then after a little while, it was more than just me doing activities because when you get involved in the club, it's not just about the rowing. They're talking about the kids who are racing and the masters who are racing, and it becomes about the competition as well. Not, not in a bad way, in a good way. It's about pushing yourself to do the best you can possibly do, regardless of your circumstance. And after pushing himself through months and years of practice and competing in smaller regattas, Ron set his sights on the head of the Charles, the rowing world's premier event. And he credits his teammates for reigniting his competitive fire. And my rowing partner this year, he had no mercy for me, he, he made sure not to treat me 
like a disabled rower. He, you're doing it wrong, and I don't care what the issue is. I'm not going to row with you unless you do it right. And that was, uh, that, was, uh, that was great because I felt, I felt like an athlete, not a disabled athlete, an athlete again. And uh, that's what it's about. A great feeling for Ron, and also for others who helped him on this challenge. First and foremost is Coach Greta, but also the Rockland Rowing Association. Greta and, and the adaptive program is something that the entire club has bought into. And they've been there, and, they're, and, and they met me here at the finish, and they've, they've been incredibly supportive, and um, it feels great. And then, but you have to know when not to push back and, and to accept the help when it comes, how it comes, and be grateful for it because people really are there for you. They're looking to help you. And it's a balance in knowing when to accept the help gracefully and, and when to try to do as much as you can on your own. And that's been one of the biggest challenges for me in my life uh, over this last 11 years uh, post the injury. Many thanks to Ron for sharing his story. We wish him and his club's adaptive rowing program every possible success and hope to catch up with him this spring at his club when he gets off the erg and back on the water. We also hope to circle back with Jules and Ping on their odysseys. They're such inspiring women setting great examples for others with chronic conditions, acute illnesses or injuries, and other challenges. Thanks to all our guests this episode and to the organizers and volunteers at the head of the Charles. The world's most beloved regatta runs so well, it barely caught a crowd this year. And remember, you heard it first here on My Body Odyssey, rowers really love rowing. Whether practicing at the crack of dawn back at their boat clubs or competing with the very best here along the Charles River. And that is our final season one episode of My Body Odyssey on the rewards and challenges of active lifestyle. Though we do have a holiday bonus episode in production on the odyssey of some of our expert medical guests, including the physical therapist and para-rower Lisa Lowe, who we met briefly this episode. So yet again, I learned a lot from being injured, <laughs> which now honestly helps me a ton in my career. Um, and it feels cool to have sort of melded my passions. And Dr. Michael Riddell of York University, his own type 1 diabetes set him on a path toward world-class research on diabetes and exercise. I was diagnosed in around 1984 or so. I was a teenager at the time and didn't know anything about diabetes. And quite frankly, the technology back then was, was pretty rudimentary. That made me dig deep into the literature, always just hungry for learning more about why Someone with type 1 diabetes has both low blood sugars and high blood sugars around exercise and nutrition. We hope you'll join us for that holiday bonus episode. Binge back on episodes you may have missed in Season 1. And let us know what you think of the show so far, as well as what you'd like to hear in Season 2 starting up this winter. You can reach us through social media or our website, mybodyodyssey.com. My Body Odyssey is a Fluent Knowledge production, original music by Ryan Adair Rooney. 